Hey everybody, welcome to uh, week two or three of Shelter in Place. I don't know, it's, it's like all of, kind of a blur to me. I, I don't know how you're spending all your time. I can, right now I'm on like dog walk like number 1,000 <laughs> trying to wear these puppies out. So, sometimes I'll go to the front door and the dogs will look at me and like, can you give it a rest? Can we just lay on the couch? Yeah, I, I don't know if you're like me, but um, you're, you're, you're trying to do all the rules, right? You're trying to wash your hands and your non-essential travel. You're trying to, you know, and by the way, going to Chick-fil-A is essential travel. But if I don't get outside and get some sunshine and hike or exercise, I, my brain gets foggy and I can go dark, like depressed, like pretty fast. You know, a lot of you know that uh, over the last, last year, I took six months sabbatical and I did a lot of walking. I did a lot of hiking in the woods and... Uh, and I spent a lot of time in the mountains. And I, I felt bad about that for, for a while. And then I realized that Jesus did that a lot. Like whenever he was facing hard stuff, like he'd say, I just got to get away to a quiet place. And he would go to the mountains and he would just walk. And he would just spend time alone, just thinking about like what's most important. You do that too, right? I mean, when you're walking around your neighborhood and like everything's gotten stripped away, eventually you just kind of get to like the most important stuff. I, I was talking to Robin at uh, the kitchen table this morning and I, and I asked her, I said, did you ever think that we would be here? Like six months ago, could you have seen this coming? And she looked at me and goes, if you would ask me a couple weeks ago, I didn't see this coming. But here we are. Hey, I, I, I want to I kind of try something different this week. And I know how many times in the last month have you heard, we're going to do it different. We're going to work different, go to school different. But here's what I mean by different is I want to I look at something different. I want to I take a different perspective or angle, uh, maybe what's going on in our world. You know, every time I turn on the news or the radio, I'm just bombarded with one more you know, coronavirus fact about how this is bad and this is bad. And, you know, it was like the, the extension of the shelter at home just came in. And then the estimate of, of the hundreds of thousands of people that uh, could die from this virus. And I, I don't want to minimize that at all. I want to I look into it. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, last week, I, I taught on a really famous verse out of the Bible. It's a guy named Paul wrote a letter to some brand new Christians who lived in the city of Rome. Rome, right? It's called the Book of Romans. And, and they're going through a horrible time, very similar to maybe what we're, we're going through. And, and, and because they're going through a hard time, he writes them a letter of encouragement. And it's, there's this one verse in there that says this. He writes this to people going through a really bad time. He says, for we, we, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And you've got to let that sink in for a second. Like what, what, what Paul says is a promise from God is that, that in all things, in all, you know, I've looked up the definition of all, it means all, right? Uh, good things, bad things, fun things, hard things, happy things, sad things, things we planned, things we didn't plan, things that we understand, things that we may never understand. Somehow there's this promise that in all those things, God's there and he's, and he's working, he's using it, he's leveraging it. And I don't know how he does it. Uh, uh, and, and honestly, uh, Usually it doesn't even make sense in the moment. Oh, God's right here doing something with it. No, it doesn't make sense till, till afterwards. But, but there's a promise that says God is in the middle of all this with us and he's gonna use it like somehow for our good. It's a promise. So last week, uh, somebody sent me one of those memes that's just filling up social media, right? Um, this one is really, really interesting. Um, it, it, it said this, um, uh, no movies, no concerts, no sports, no restaurants, no social gatherings, limited workload. Now that I've cleared your schedule, can we talk? And it was signed, God. That kind of makes sense. So let's, um, let's go inside and talk. Hey, uh, like I said, today's gonna be a little bit different. Um, 
every, every once in a while, I would get like all my staff together from all our campuses and kind of get them in one room. And we have what, what they would call like a, a dad talk. And that's, that's basically when we just kind of get together and they get to hear from their leader. And we just kind of start looking at vision, like, who are we? And uh, why do we do what we do? And like, what's the most important thing we're doing? And then we, we take a look at what we're doing. And if what we're doing accomplishes that, we kind of all put hands in the middle and go, let's do that more. And if it's doing something different than the most important thing, let, let's, let's throw it out, right? So call this what you want to call it. Call it a dad talk, call it a fireside chat. Um, I want to take a few minutes and I want to look at the most important thing. So um, I'd like to talk to two groups of people today. All right. The, the, the first group would be um, this group. If, if you were to be asked a question like, like, so like, what's your church? You would answer Flatirons. And maybe you've been connected uh, either in person or online for like a long, 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 long time. Uh, maybe God has used something through Flatirons that has been helpful or meaningful, uh, maybe even life-saving to you. I mean, God, God did it, right? He just used Flatirons uh, to kind of bring that to you. So what's your church? Flatirons is my church. That, that's the first group. The second group... Are, are those who would say, um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't really have a church uh, ever or like maybe anymore. You know, I used to, but, but and maybe some of you are going, you know, I'm not even sure what I even believe about the whole God, Jesus, faith thing. But I'm, I'm checking out Flatirons. Maybe today is the first time or maybe recently you've kind of leaning in, to, uh, kind of just seeing if Flatirons passes like the smell test to find uh, what kind of stuff uh, do they say? What kind of things do they teach? What kind of things do they do at Flatirons? And that's great. I, today is going to be like honest, like full disclosure of who we are and why we do everything we do. And maybe you'll want to lean in further. Or maybe you want to run the other way. I don't know. So over the last few weeks, um, leading up to Easter next week, we've, we've been unpacking the, those final words, those final phrases that Jesus uttered while he was hanging on the cross right before he died. Um, and, and he died on the cross for what he claimed. He said it would pay the penalty for every sin, every mistake, every screw up that everybody in history, anybody, right up and including today, he said, I'll pay the price myself for anybody who'll just have a little bit of faith and trust in me. And he promised that nothing would ever be able to, to separate that person from God ever again. Uh, even, even future sins that you and I would commit after we put our faith in him. And you got to be honest, sorry, that, that's, that may be the most outrageous uh, and arrogant claim that anybody in the history of any religion ever has ever made. It's, it's really crazy, unless it's true. And again, the only reason to believe that anything that crazy could be actually true would be if Jesus could back it up by pulling off the impossible, like, like raising from the dead three days after his death, just like he promised would happen. I mean, if he could do that, I would have faith that he could probably pull off all the other stuff he promised as well, right? And I get questions like this, like, what are you talking about? What promises do we get from God? Like, like, like he promises over and over. He says immediately, I'll take away your guilt, but I'll, I'll also, over time, I'll take away your shame and your fear and your insecurity. It'll take a while, but I can do it. He, he, he promises that he can not only forgive us, but he can help us forgive others and even forgive ourselves. That's tough, right? And not just forgive but begin to heal from all the stuff that, that we've done or that we've had done to us. I've got a long list, don't you? He, he promises things like, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. I'll walk through depression, darkness. I'll walk through times when you feel alone and forsaken and finished. I won't leave you. He, he promises, I like this, he, he promises not just to give you a second chance. I, I need more than that. He says, I want to give you a whole new life from above. 
He promises that your past does not have to condemn your future, no matter what somebody's told you. He promises that you can be, I love this phrase, you can be a new creation, that you can let go of the past and you can press on to the future. He, he promises that while certain things on our own are impossible to pull off, he says, but with God, all things are possible. I mean, the list goes on and on of all these promises. Jesus says can become realities in a person's life if they just have a little bit of faith. But the truth is those promises can only you know, fully come to a person through Jesus. And he desperately, he desperately wants every person in the world to receive and experience all those promises, which is why he was willing to endure all that pain on the cross in the first place, to bring us those promises and those possibilities. It was the only way. Jesus actually claimed he's the only way. That's what he said. Again, that is a pretty strong statement that Jesus made. I'm the only way to God, unless it's true. Because if it's true, it's loving, and it would actually be hateful to promise anybody a different way that wouldn't work, right? Like, like let's, let's kind of tie this into what's going around in the world today. Like, like let's say that, that whenever they come out with a cure for this COVID-19, and they will eventually, right? And, and let's say that you're sick, and I have that medicine, right, that can save your life. It would not be loving or sensitive or kind to either, I have it, to at least offer it to you, rather than just giving you some cold medicine, some DayQuil that'll make you feel better for a while, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't stop the deadly virus that's ravaging you from inside and eventually killing you. I mean, if I care about you, I'm gonna offer it. And it's your choice. But if I love you, I would have to at least offer. I mean, that's just friendship, right? So let me talk to that group number one, those who say, yeah, Flatlands is my church, right? See, we actually believe and I must say we actually, but I'm asking maybe to ask yourself, do you actually believe this? But, but we, we claim that we actually believe that God is good and he loves everyone and he wants good for everyone. And we also believe that our sins and our mistakes, as well as the sins and the mistakes of other people that have fallen on us, those things have the ability and the potential to steal, kill, and destroy the good life that, that God wants for us. We also believe that it's through Jesus alone and the grace and love and mercy and strength that he brings to us, we believe that a, a new and better life actually becomes possible. We really believe that, don't we? See, Jesus said this, one of my favorite stories he ever told. He says that if you will build your life like on a, on a rock, and he uses a metaphor like I build a house on a firm foundation, he says that the storms of this life won't blow it down. See, we, we believe that Jesus and what he says is true is the only foundation for hope, including during this whole coronavirus stuff. We believe that that foundation and lean our lives against Jesus, that foundation is the only thing that won't break apart and leave us crushed again. So let me talk to group number two, and please hear me. We really do believe that. But just because we, we believe that, we're not saying that people who don't believe that, that they're bad or that God doesn't love them too. But, but again, think about it. Um, if you're my friend and, I, and I, really, I really do believe that God loves you and, and I believe that God wants good for you and, and, and if I believe that Jesus is the best chance at you, my friend, experiencing that good life, of course, I would want you to at least have a chance to hear about it so you can make up your own mind because you're my friend, Right? You don't have to believe it if you don't want to, but what kind, of a, what kind of a creepy friend would I be to not at least say, there it is, there he is, not point at him or invite you into the best thing that I've ever found that helped me and made a difference in my life. I don't want to shove anything down your throat. I'm just trying to be a good friend. 
Which, which brings me to this, this, this last part. So next weekend, right, we celebrate Easter. I mean, if you don't know what Easter is, it's the, the event upon which the entire kind of like the validity of the Christian faith, we, we lean everything against Easter. See, if Jesus rose from the dead, then we can have confidence that, that he is who he says he was and, and he can do everything he promised. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then this is all nonsense. It's some silliness. Uh, it's some medication that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. And some people believe that's all it is. We believe it's more than that. Now, let me, let me try to tie all this together. See, see for a lot of us, um, like in one hand, we hold this. We believe and we know that it's true, the, the, this, this truth about Jesus and what he offers. But in the other hand, we also have people in our lives that we care deeply about and, and we want them to hear about this Jesus who's made a difference in our own life. The question is, is it possible, is it possible for these two things that we care about to come together? So, so this, this is really interesting. Um, you know, some of you don't remember this. A lot of us do. The same thing is happening in our country that happened right after 9-11, right? It, the same thing's happening with this corona crisis. People are turning to faith to see if there's any answers or any help that can be found in God. So somebody told me this, and I checked it out myself. I found out it's true, is that a lot of stores like Walmart and Costco, and I'm sure there's a bunch of others, they keep selling out of Bibles. Why is that? I've been talking to some other pastors across the country, kind of comparing notes about what we're all going through, and they're seeing the exact same thing that we're seeing here at Flatirons. Um, attendance online uh, is, is just it's going nuts. I mean, with church buildings all closed, um, churches are seeing the highest numbers of people tuning in ever. And, and on Easter, it is expected, get this, it is expected that more people will tune into some type of faith experience than in the entire history of the church. I'm not talking about the last few years. More people are going to check out Jesus this next weekend than in the past 2,000 years. And I know, I know how it works. See, when all this crisis passes, those, those numbers are going to fade away. I know, all right, but, but right now, we have what I would call a window of opportunity. And that, that's what I meant back in the beginning about what if, what, what if God is doing something here? What if, I'm not saying he caused it, I'm just saying, but what if God's in it? What if God is at work and leveraging a bad thing like this virus, all right, to get people's attention, to think about what's most important, right? You're feeling it. Like, like, like when you're locked in your house, right, with your family, you know, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly. Can't ignore this anymore, can I? Like what? Like my marriage or my relationship with my kids or my relationship with my parents or my identity or my hopes or my expectations. Parts of my heart and soul are broken. And I'm taking a lot of walks and I'm thinking and I'm hurting. And my life's not working very well. And then this is where we go. Is there anything or anyone out there who could help? Because I'm paying attention, I'm listening. See, throughout history, this message of who Jesus is and what he can do in a person's life has taken off and spread like wildfire, but not in times of peace and safety and everything's easy. No, it's taken off in times of war and famine and financial hardship and physical sickness like we're going through right now. If you go all the way back in the early days of the church, when the church first got started, very few people were paying attention to what Jesus had to say. And there weren't any big churches, buildings, or online church. There weren't worship bands. There weren't kids programs to, you know, to, to put your kids in. No, most of it happened 
get this house to house. That's, that's what it says, house to house. What do you mean? Person to person, friend to friend, family to family. Just look across the table at somebody and go, you know, I found something and it's good. Come, just come and see for yourself. And the fame and the forgiveness and the healing found in Jesus spread throughout the earth. That's how it spread. How? House to house. I'm going to throw it out there. Maybe what we're experiencing right now with this coronavirus, for everything bad, it's hurting and destroying. And there's a lot. Is it possible it could also have the good and positive effect of pointing to something or someone who could help, you know, rebuild a life that's been destroyed? I was listening to a really interesting report the other day, and it's, it's kind of depressing, but it, it says that for the first time in the history of our country, and I'm talking about the United States, and I don't know how they gather all this through polls and data and stuff like that, but for the first time in our history, the number one religion in America that people check off now is none. None is the number one faith system in our country. And allegiance or trust to organized religion or churches, especially big ones, all right, is the lowest it's ever been. And I get it. There's a lot of weird stuff out there being done in the name of God, right? We all know that. But do you know what like, seems to be at its highest? And that is trust in like, personal networks of people. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Like, like, if they like it, I'll check it out. If they don't like it, I, I won't bother, right? Think, think about it. That's the, way, that's the way we shop, like, on Amazon, right? It's very little to do with brand loyalty or that company makes great products. We just look at all those things in all those boxes, and we see how many, how many stars it has, has, how many likes it has from people who've tried it before. And if that many people tried it and it's working for them, I'll probably order that one first. I think Jesus is the same way. And I think the other part of that truth is, I think it's always been that way. See, the only plan that I can find in the Bible anyway, uh, that Jesus had for people to discover who he is, it's always been the same. House to house, person to person, friend to friend. I found something, come and see for yourself. So so think about this. In in a window of time where, where people are leaning into God like, like maybe never before, to see if he has any answers for the current chaos we're living in. And in a time when physical church buildings are literally closed, but engagement with a church is easier than it's ever been, like through online, through like Facebook, through YouTube, all the other social media platforms, from a person's own living room or, or phone. And in a time where the only thing that matters enough for a person to bother to check something out is house to house, Person to person, friend to friend. Let's just keep going. Text message to text message, Facebook to Facebook page, Instagram message to Instagram message. What if next weekend, I'm going to throw it out there, could become like the redeeming moment for a person's life in the middle of, of, of a chaotic time because they heard about a Jesus who could bring peace in the middle of any storm. And that's what I'm going to be talking about next week. He can bring peace in the middle of a, a, a storm. So, well, what do you mean by redeem? He can redeem, all right? I, I mean, turn something bad, right, into something good. Say, so, I'll, I'll, I'll redeem something uh, that's not good. I'll turn into something good. So we, we, we've all seen something like this um, on 100 different news sites, right? Uh, there's some corona flu viral chart, right? So, so here's what we all know. The typical flu virus that sweeps our country every year has a, has a contagion level, or it's called an R-naught, 
<laughs> I'm so scientific now. Um, but uh, the typical flu has an R naught value of around one person to 1.3, uh, meaning that if you have the flu, you're typically going to infect 1.3. So let's, let's say one or two people around you. But th- this is why this corona thing is so, so like scary, all right? The, the R naught level of corona is three to four people. One person infects three to four people. It literally goes viral easier, which explains why we never heard of it before. Then we heard about one little boy in China, and then within a couple of months, it, it has literally shut down the world's economy. It just goes viral. But what if, just go hang with me on this. Right? What if, if, if next weekend, all right, using the going viral comparison, what if Easter went viral? What, what if... What if every person listened to my voice? I'm talking to you, all right, in both groups, right? What if every person listened to my voice? And then in the last couple of weeks, that has been close to like between 70 and 100,000 unique like IP addresses, right? Different devices. And usually with one, more than one person listening from each of those addresses, all right? But what if you, and let's just say 70,000, what if you used your friendship, your f- social media platform? What if you were the platform? Right? Not, not to infect, but to share, to message, and to invite one to three. What, three people in your life that you care about to, to, to put out a, that's an invite and say, just come and see. You don't have to leave your house. You can't leave your house. You come and see from your own living room or from your own phone. Just come one time, Easter weekend, to hear about the possibility of experiencing peace in a, in a storm. So let me, let me redeem that. That, that corona chart. So here's what an Easter viral chart might look like. One becomes three, right? Three becomes nine. Nine becomes 27. Um, and that's how the virus started, but we're not talking about one. Um, how about this? 70,000 becomes 210,000. If, if, if it went any further, 210,000 becomes 630,000. And 630,000 becomes like one point, like almost nine million people. Now, here's what I, let me just say this, all right? I'm not trying to increase the size of Flatirons. I really am not, right? I, I have a feeling that most of those who lean into your invitation to come and see, they're probably spread out literally across the earth, all right? And they will probably never physically sit in a Flatirons campus. Let me just say this, I'm okay with that. This is not about Flatirons getting bigger famous, no. It's, it's about something most important. It's about more people meeting the real version of Jesus who's good and who loves them and who wants good for them and can help. As a matter of fact, I, I know that a lot of you listening right now live in other parts of the country or, or the world. And I, I'll bet you know that, that if you did a little bit of research, there's probably, you might have to look, there's probably a really good church near you I believe that so much at the end of, of this talk. And I've been talking to other pastors around the, the country. We're going to actually post a list of a few churches around the country that we trust. And maybe if you're going to say, hey, just, just check out Jesus, maybe the best thing would be to point your friend to another church if there's maybe a better chance that they could connect better with a church that's closer to them. Maybe, all right? I mean, that, that was a huge aha moment for me when I was on sabbatical. I was having breakfast with Sean Johnson, the pastor down at Red Rocks Church, and we're sitting across the table and we were both like, why haven't we been like working together more? Right? It's like, 
it's like we're in competition and we're not. It's, we're all in this together. There are good churches out there. If not Flatirons, find a good church that you can trust and point your friend to. But the message and the strategy will always be the same. House to house, come and see. So cool story. There's a, a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts that just stands for the actions of the very first followers of Jesus. Those are the people that were the first one to say, I found something good and I need to tell you about it. And they went house to house, right? Um, remember I told you that, that, that when the Bible was written, being a Christian got you in a lot of trouble. Those people were actually hauled into court and the accusation against the people who went house to house friend to friend was this. These people, these men, these women, they're turning the world upside down. I mean, how cool is that? Turning the world upside down. I want to be a part of something that turns the world upside down, don't you? And how's that going to happen? Well, Easter goes viral. And how's that going to happen? If every one of us, like in the next week, every person that we care about, everybody that we're connected to, whatever platform or network that we have in our life, we reach out and go, hey, I found something good. Don't want to shove it down your throat, but it means a lot to me and you mean a lot to me. I just want you to come and see.